0: Hello, and welcome to One in Tar Nation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're recapping UNC's win over Georgia Tech. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how did you enjoy yesterday's win?
1: I enjoyed it a lot better than today's day of NFL football. I'll just say that. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. Glad that we we're able to get out a win before the bye week. So, you know, can, always, can never go wrong with that, right?
0: Getting a win after three straight losses is good, even if it was against an opponent that should be beat. Um, I think Carolina was obviously a little more talented than Georgia Tech's team, and those are games that they really need to find a way to win. Um, Hopefully it's the start of a good stretch of games where they can kind of get back on track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is definitely going to be good for their confidence. Um, not everything went right the entire game, but also a lot more things went right in this game than have been going correctly in the previous ones. so I think that's always good. Um, the offense in particular did a lot better than they have in the previous ones. Uh, Sam Howe, my man threw for he threw 51 times. <laughs> For 376 yards.
0: Yeah, I mean, the offense possessed the ball a lot. And they ran, I, I think it was easily their most plays of the season so far. And I think if you watch the game and you see the 38-22 score, you kind of think that Carolina could have easily scored 50 or more points. There were so many opportunities where Sam Howell had someone in the end zone or out in, behind the defense. And unfortunately, the wide receivers had a bit of the dropsies, and that took some points off the board. But they were still able to win. They were still able to be effective. I think it's just that, like, you, you almost wonder what it could have been if they had played a cleaner game.
1: Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. And, you know, Sam Howe wasn't without a couple of erroneous throws, but I don't feel like it was anything egregious. I think it was just a quarterback that just happened to miss the mark a few times. The drops definitely were a lot more frustrating. Um, I also feel like there were times when – One thing that I've learned from this game that I think we've talked about quite a few times, and I think this one solidifies it, is the fact that Javante Williams, as a running back, really needs to be like the man in the running back spot. That's not to say that Michael Carter shouldn't be on the field. I'm not saying that, because he definitely has his place on his team, and there's definitely times where his services are going to be needed, but... Just looking at what exactly happened numbers wise yesterday, both ran for both ran 20 times, and Williams finished with 144 yards on the ground. Carter finished with 68. And Williams was the only one that had a touchdown. I feel like that may be a bit telling when it comes to what is going on with the backfield.
0: Yeah, I think Javante has been more effective quite a few times this season. Carter has done well, I think, um, sort of on uh, kick returns that he's done. I know that Daz handles a lot of them, but I know that Carter took the opening kickoff against App State and he ran it back like 75 yards. Yeah, Carter's definitely had his moments, I think. Javante has had more moments. Um, Yesterday was definitely one of those. I don't mind the sharing because I do think that they kind of present different looks. Um, And to me, I feel like Javante is one of those guys where he's a little bit more effective, like right up the middle. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just kind of what I feel like I've noticed so far. I mean, that dude is not afraid to drag like three defenders with him and pick up three, four, five extra yards, and and that is really impressive. I think the offense as a whole, having nearly six hundred yards of offense, is kind of crazy. Yeah, but also. It was a game that we expected them to win. Um, There were still times when it felt like everything was not clicking on all cylinders. But if things aren't clicking on all cylinders and you still win, then I feel like that's as much as you can ask for. Because, I mean, Carolina played a near-perfect game against Clemson. Yeah. And they came up just short. They did not play a perfect game against Georgia Tech, and they still were able to win. And obviously the discrepancy between Clemson and Georgia Tech is immense, but, you know, I think it shows that Carolina does have a lot of talent, and I think that this – stretch is going to probably be very telling because on paper these are games that they probably should win and you know getting getting off to a good start against Georgia Tech is certainly the first part of that
1: yeah and I think going back to what you were saying about the quality level I guess of overall play Clemson compared to this one I definitely feel like we should have won by more um there was just some stuff that got left out on the field, kind of like what you were saying earlier. And truthfully, the game wasn't quite as close as the final score indicated, because I know that in the last couple of drives, when Georgia tech had the ball on offense, Mac Brown had put in some young guys that hadn't really been on the field a whole lot just to get them some experience. So the score definitely isn't completely indicative of what the actual result was. Um, I do feel like UNC is in this position to where they have to figure out how to still find a way to play the way that they played against Clemson all the time, how to practice the way they practice against Clemson all the time, and that's definitely a mindset thing, and I feel like sometimes that takes a little bit more time than us as fans tend to want to believe that it takes Um, Because all we see is, oh, you're not good at this. Well, get better at it. And it's hard because like, I think we've all done things in our life to where if we know we really have to be on our A game, we are therefore putting ourselves in a position to where we're like, hey, like we need to be on our A game with these things. But then if something's like, well, you don't quite have to be on that, we tend to think, all right, well, I don't have to try Some of the mental stuff goes understated, I feel like, sometimes. And honestly, this is just one of those things. Like, if UNC can build this culture of you need to destroy everybody, I feel like they could be really good. I don't know if it'll necessarily be like this year where they, you know destroy the coastal and win their bowl game by a reasonable margin or anything like that. But I think right now Mac Brown's job is definitely getting it into their heads that they can be Clemson sometime within the next few years if they just get their minds right.
0: Yeah, I definitely have been concerned about playing down to the competition, because I know that that is somewhere where teams kind of get a little bit in trouble. And I felt like, you know, in my personal belief, Carolina probably should have beaten Appalachian State, but I feel like they kind of played down a little bit. And that's not to say that Appalachian State is a bad team. Yeah. They're not. But it was very evident to see what clear effort did against Clemson, which is a very, very good team. And I'm not saying they weren't trying yesterday against Georgia Tech. I don't think that at all. I think it's just – it is a different mindset because you can see how they went into Clemson saying – We have to play a perfect game. Yeah. Anything less than a perfect game, we're not going to win. You didn't have to have that same mindset coming into the Georgia Tech game. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm certainly not saying by any means that, like, they didn't take it seriously or anything like that. But I think it is a different approach. You know that... You don't have to catch every ball. You don't have to make every tackle for a loss and that sort of thing. But I don't know. I was pleased with how most of it went. I think you can say, like, oh, they left some points out there, and and that's sort of irrefutable. But I will say this final score is very close to the final score that I predicted in our (laughs) – in our uh, preview podcast. So just let that be known that I, I was seeing through my third eye. Because I think I said 35-21,
1: Yeah, I think you said something Something like, like that. that?
0: Yeah. Pretty close.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, hey, listen to everybody listening. Like, we're not trying to be downers about a win. Like, that's not what we're doing. But also it's one of those things where it's like, I think – what we're getting into now is we know what this team is capable of if they just played at the best of their abilities all the time. Like, if they do that, I feel really good about the rest of the season. I do. Like, they're not going to go undefeated, but I feel good about where things are.
0: They could go undefeated. You think so? If they play like they played against Clemson for yeah. the rest of the season, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean,. I think the obvious barrier to that is Virginia. Yeah. But if Carolina comes like they did against Clemson, I think that they should beat Virginia. I think they should beat pretty much everyone left on their schedule. Um, will they be able to do that? I don't know. Because, again, it took a near perfect game. So I don't I don't want to get down about a win because it's a win and it's one that they needed. Um, I think these games are interesting because for the first time in a while, we have games that we can look at and say we we're supposed to win that one. Right. Um, so I think it's easy to sort of nitpick those games because you know, it, it, the game against Miami or the game against South Carolina, we really didn't know what we were working with. So I was like, hey, like, we won. How amazing. Like, that's great. Now it's like, okay, you, you couldn't have afforded to lose to Georgia Tech. You can't do that. So I think it's a little different because it's like, oh, well, it's, it's kind of like the Clemson game for Carolina where, like, Clemson had to win that game. There were no excuses for them to not win that game. If they don't win that game, it's a huge disappointment. Yeah, and and that's kind of how the Georgia Tech game was for Carolina. Like, if you want to make it to a bowl, if you want this season to be a success, you cannot lose to Georgia Tech. So, I think it's weird to be in that position where you're like, oh, like you're not just happy to be here, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but. I think it probably taught them a lot because it was a game where the expectations for them were high. It was not just a "you guys show up and whatever happens happens" kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but they won, and that's the important thing. Um, the this stretch—I mean, we've said it before. B- before the season kind of got underway you looked at it and thought like okay these are coin flips maybe like virginia tech duke etc um now you're in a position where the coastal is super winnable but you have to hold serve until virginia comes to town and you have to beat virginia so far so good though
1: yeah for sure and I feel like if there's one thing that's holding this team back, it's definitely depth because they have to basically – they they can't have, afford to have anybody else get hurt. They can't, especially on defense. Right. I feel like that is a dangerous proposition to have anybody go down because it's just
0: – I mean, they can't afford for a few – like the offensive line yeah. is – already depleted without nick polino the defense is absolutely depleted and getting more depleted by the moment wow. seemingly um wolfolk is still out and uh cameron kelly is out for the rest of the season after tearing his acl against clemson yeah. so a lot of new guys are having to step up and fill those roles And honestly, like, I feel like we say this every game, but I can't say enough about (laughs) Chaserat. Yeah. Because, like, he's not supposed to be this important to the defense, I don't think. Um, To say that he is probably in the top five important defensive players I think is very fair.
1: I would say even top three.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, but he, that dude has just been like on top of the results pretty much every week. Yeah. Um, he led the team in tackles by double. He had 12 tackles, and second on the team was Miles Dorn with six. Um, seven of Surratt's tackles were solo tackles. That dude's just been everywhere. And, like, the fact that a year ago, he was basically a sometimes Nathan Elliott backup. Yeah. And this year, he's playing such a huge role in the defense that absolutely needs him. It's crazy. And I know that the announcers during yesterday's game kept saying, like, oh, this is, like, the best story in America. And that's kind of, like, eye-rolly. But also, like... That's crazy.
1: I mean, it definitely is. I've, it's, I feel like anything with announcers gets a little eye-rolly at times. But honestly, I think I've, if I didn't mention it on the podcast, I probably mentioned it in one of my articles. I really don't remember at this point. But, I mean, yeah, a year ago, Chad Surratt was one of those guys that you're just like, you're okay But I feel like we could be going somewhere better with this. And whether that was fair or not, because we all know that last year just was – it was something else.
0: It might not have been his fault. It might not have been his
1: fault. That's the reality of the situation. And we could sit here and debate whether or not it was, but what we do know is that he hung in there. He stuck with Mac Brown through the transition. He moved over to a whole other position, and he's excelling at it. I mean, at the beginning of the season, really on defense, we were talking about Strobridge and Crawford. I think those were like our main focuses on who are going to be impact players on defense. Nobody was thinking of Surratt. He was one of those guys that you were looking at just because it was intriguing to see what he would do.
0: It was a recognizable name doing something. It's kind of like in baseball when a position player pitches. It's like, whoa, that's crazy. Let's see how that turns out. And, like, if the dude can somehow throw 90, it's, like, crazy. Yeah. I feel like that was sort of my idea about what Chats would be, like, this isn't supposed to happen, but, like, if he can get out there and, you know, not embarrass himself, then it'll be cool. But, like, he's not embarrassing himself. He's
1: playing really, really well. He is, and he's gotten better as the season's gone along. Because I remember after the South Carolina game, one of the conversations we had were, he will be really good if he does this, and he's been doing it. Like, his issue was missing tackles, and I don't – feel like he's done that a whole lot lately his other teammates have, but he's been wrapping pe- people up pretty cleanly.
0: Yeah, the South Carolina game, I think we all saw that Like his instincts on defense were really good. Absolutely. He was in the right place all the time. Yeah. It was just he wasn't finishing, but now he is. Yeah. And, I mean, he's been a really important part of this defense. I don't think any of us would have— Thought that that would be the case when this season started but with the depth issues that the defense has had he's come up really really big and I don't know I've just been super impressed I can't really I, I just feel like every time I watch a game and someone makes like a really good play on defense three out of five times it's Chaserat. yeah yeah I just I'm
1: Everybody needs to stay healthy on the defense, but I think that if anything were to happen to him, knock on wood, UNC would be in big trouble. So I hope, I'm not saying that to jinx anything. I'm just saying, like, we have entered this space to where this guy that we thought would be able to maybe start, maybe there would be some bad luck that would have to happen if he started, all of a sudden is the most important player on defense to me at least so it's it's just wild to think about it's really wild to think about um Tanya is there anything else uh before we go to commercial I don't think so all right well when we get back we will do best and worst of this game um I have a feeling that you and I probably have similar answers but we're gonna find out so stay tuned we'll be right back all right, and we are back. So, Tanya, let's talk a little best, worst of this game against Georgia Tech. What do you have as your best of the game?
0: I mean, I can't help but give it to Sam Howe. Like, his performance broke all kinds of records, um, and it's it's easy to see why. He threw for 376 yards four touchdowns he did have a pick but I mean when you throw it 51 times yeah if you didn't have an interception it would be amazing so I was really impressed with him he did it on the road he did it you know against a team that he should be able to pick apart but I felt like the way he did it was really impressive to me um and, again, I don't know whether it's Sam getting better or the fact that it was Georgia Tech, but you could see he made better decisions. Yeah. Um, his his sort of, like, awareness was better to me. Um, like he He had forever to throw on some of these attempts, so that probably had a lot to do with it, but I just felt like, he kind of took things to the next level, at least for this game. And I was really impressed with what he did.
1: Indeed. I definitely agree. Sam Howe was a very important part to the game. And I just he was incredible. Um, it was a lot of throws, <laughs> which is funny because of what we had been talking about uh, in terms of like him not throwing enough. But honestly, I think a lot of that is they've gotten a lot of plays. I think that is also something to factor in because they had 97 plays to Georgia Tech's 53. So naturally, you're going to throw a lot. You're going to run a lot. So I don't think there's anything too crazy about that number. Um, But yeah, Howell was really good. I think I'm going to give my best of the game to Javante Williams. Because going back to what we've been talking about, what I just kind of alluded to, one of my biggest beefs this year was that we kept trying the run game and it just wasn't working. Javante Williams made that work this game. 20 carries, 144 yards, one touchdown. His longest run was 32 yards. I think when you're able to run successfully, that is exactly what you want for your offense because it opens everything up. But because, uh, but up to this point, it was just one of those things that wasn't working. And that was a big source of frustration, at least for me personally. But I do think that Williams' performance along with Carter, I'm not going to leave Carter out of this. I feel like he was important in all that as well. But what Williams did was just incredible. Um. I feel like when you can just get that going, it takes a lot of pressure off of how I think the offensive line was starting to play more physical because Williams was also playing physical. And a lot of that does have to do with Georgia Tech. They were easy to put around. They kept showing this stat. They're what, like 40 pounds heavier than Georgia Tech or something like that?
0: I think it was like on average. Each player was 40 pounds heavier than Georgia Tech's opposing player.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, some of it had to do with just they were more physical than Georgia Tech and just even natural makeup of their body. But point being, give Williams a lot of credit. I think if they start to use him a bit more than they use Carter, It will help things out a bit more. I think they will get to do more things on offense than they've been able to recently. Um, And how can keep doing what he's been doing? That's pretty much like take people on play action and ruin their lives. So
0: I think um, one thing that we haven't really mentioned is that both Michael Carter and Javante Williams were pretty involved in the passing game as well. Yeah. Uh Carter had fifty two yards through the air and um Bo Corrales had fifty four. So Michael Carter was basically Sam Howe's third wide receiver
1: yeah.
0: in the game. And I just think that the mix of the two as far as like running and throwing goes was probably at its best on saturday and again i know that a lot of that has to do with the opponent but the mix was good i i was not as frustrated by the play calling as i have been in some weeks where it just felt like it was a draw play a draw play and then a forced throw on third and long because the prior two draw plays didn't work um but I think that that goes to show you that when the run game is working, it helps the passing game excel as well. So I thought all of that was really good. And I think giving the best of to Javante Williams is, is super valid.
1: Yeah. And just a little, a couple of bonuses in here. To your point, I feel like this is the best game that Longo's called. Like, hands down. I will give him credit where credit's due because I know I've been a little critical, maybe too critical. Um, (laughs) But no, um, it's definitely the best game that he's called. Also, the other thing I wanted to mention, just kind of as an honorable mention for this game, um, the time of possession compared to what Georgia Tech had was nuts. Um, It was the first time I think this year that UNC may have, won that particular battle. Um, I'm actually looking for the time of possession now. Um, So UNC had 36 minutes and 54 seconds uh, in terms of possession. Georgia Tech had the ball 23 minutes and 6 seconds. A lot of that goes back to what we were just talking about. When you're able to run the ball, you're able to milk the clock, You're not having to risk, you know, throwing a pass, pass gets dropped or missed or whatever, clock stops, so on and so forth. So I think that was really important. Um, Tanya, what is your worst of this game?
0: I think it was just all of the dropped passes. Um, Yeah. A lot of – there were a few balls from Hal that were not perfectly on the money. But there were at least a few that hit the receiver right in the hands, and he just put it down. And against Georgia Tech, you can afford that kind of thing, but there will definitely be games coming up where those things could be backbreaking. And um, I think someone th- hypothesized that the sun was in their eyes, and I don't know what you do about that. But, I mean, I don't know if that's the explanation. I don't know if that's just kind of what we want to believe for why these very talented wide receivers could get the ball literally thrown to their hands and not be able to come up with it. Um, But it it was frustrating. Finding anything really wrong with this game is difficult because, I mean, they won. So you're – You're kind of nitpicking at at some point, but if we are going to nitpick, all of the drop passes were frustrating.
1: Yeah, they were definitely frustrating. I feel like if the thing is true about the Sun, I mean, it is what it is. It's one game. We can see what happens against Virginia Tech and see if we see this issue pop up again. If it doesn't, then we know that, that there's probably some truth to what happened. If it does pop up again, then we know that this may be something to be concerned with in terms of the wide receivers themselves. Um, to not be repetitive and also because it was not not insignificant, um, I feel like my worst of the game was probably the six penalties just because it gave up 61 yards uh, to Georgia Tech, and that's never something that you want to do. And I know Mack Brown has voiced before that penalties is something, like there's something that he's been working hard to clean up. I feel like when you're looking at the other side and Georgia Tech had three for 25 yards, you just don't want to be behind in that battle. Because if you're playing a much better team, that's going to be something that can make or break a game. So they're going to want to clean that up before they get to Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, and there were a few... I feel like the penalties have really gone back and forth. There have been some games where they played a really clean game penalty-wise. And then there have been a couple games... I think the South Carolina game was really bad. Um, Was it the... Appalachian State game, I can't remember the other one where it was like literally close to 100 yards of penalties.
1: Didn't they get a targeting call that game too?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I know the South Carolina game was like 90 yards of penalties. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was the Miami game or the Appalachian State game. That was also bad. But, yeah, like you just don't want to be in that – Position where you're costing your team yardage, that could be important. Um, I know that against Clemson, it seemed like Carolina did a lot better in the penalty department because Clemson was committing false start penalties left, right, and center, and, and Carolina was somehow more disciplined than that, which is surprising to me
1: yeah I mean, we talked about it. They basically played as well as you could expect against Clemson, and Clemson just kept making the mistakes that you were hoping that they would make. So I feel like everything just went right that game and so and that's also why I'm not incredibly stressed out about the penalties, but it's definitely something that I'm sure Mac Brown's gonna look back at and see how they can click up or clean up those little things
0: and then there was that game where they had. Three false starts by wide receivers. Yeah. Was that the Wake Forest game?
1: It might have been Wake.
0: <laughs> so it's just like, there are some times where it's like, okay, this penalty, I get it. But then there's sometimes where it's like, what on earth, man? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's part of the game. Um, hopefully, they don't end up mm, sort of like piling up in a way that makes it. To where you can blame penalties for a loss down the road. Like right. that that's sort of the worst case scenario, but it didn't in this game, but hopefully they can clean that up a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Brandon, do you have anything else on the game against Georgia Tech?
1: Um, nothing else. I will say that this game kept my football weekend from being a complete disaster. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look at the Falcons Texans game. That's all I got.
0: <laughs> Brandon, always with the most random interludes, but that's why we keep him around, I guess.
1: I'm I'm just saying the, the it it could have been a very painful football weekend, and I appreciate Carolina for doing what they needed to do, and we can go into this bi-week relatively sane, so I'm happy.
0: Or you could just not like professional football and, and be very zen about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I really should try your method at some point.
0: Exactly. <laughs> what you don't care about can't hurt you.
1: It's true. It's true.
0: Brandon, where can the people find you online?
1: You can find me at THBBrandon.
0: And you can find me at Tanya Bondurant or at Tar Heel Blog. We'll be back this week not to preview a game, but to probably talk some basketball because this week is a bye week and we have to fill the sweet, sweet airwaves with something. And basketball will be back before you know it.
1: Not to mention we really love basketball, so why not talk about it?
0: Why not? And the sooner that it gets back, the sooner that we'll all be happier, in my opinion. Except maybe Chad. But the rest of us will all be happier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But until then, go Heels.
1: Go Heels.